What's going on, everybody? This is Carlos, CEO of GAR Capital. I am your host for today's podcast, the GAR Capital official podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, listen to this podcast. As always, uh, we're always on Spotify, Anchor app, and Apple Podcasts, and wherever you hear podcasts, we're on there. So uh, thank you again. Thank you again for joining me. Um, I haven't done many podcasts lately, obviously, just due to subject matter. I'm trying to find the subjects to talk about. Uh, so things that you want to listen to, again, we listen to all suggestions. Feel free to let us know on Instagram, Twitter, and on uh, YouTube, where I do the YouTube uh, morning note every morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we talk markets and answer your questions. So if you have a suggestion on what the next podcast is going to be, please let me know there, and we'll try to get that out to you. So without further ado, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. The big one, I went ahead and asked this on Instagram stories. I didn't have a chance to talk about it at that week in time, just how I got some busy stuff with family stuff, but now I have some time. Here we are. We're going to talk about the big squeeze. You know, remember the big short, like the movie, we're going to call it the big squeeze, which was the Wall Street bets and the Redditors and all that. We're going to talk about it, the basics of the basics, exactly what happened. So I'm going to break this down pretty simply. I'm going to talk like... I'm talking to my grandmother who has no idea what the hell happened. So again, makes it a little understandable. And I want to break it down into different sections too. What exactly happened? So the first part is going to be Wall Street bets. What, what is that? What is the influence? Two, what is short selling? Three, what stocks were short sold the most at this time? What caused the, the craziness? Four, exactly what happened? Five, the profits and the, the news and the mess that happened and the arbitrage that you could have done. Six, the aftermath, what happened after? And seven, the lessons. So we're gonna talk about that today. Okay, so let's go ahead and bring up Wall Street Bets. What is Wall Street Bets? Wall Street Bets, honestly, is nothing new, guys. It's just like the message boards of the 90s and the answering machine services of the 80s, where people would pitch their stocks and what they think is best. You know, kind of no different than what we do as well, but. You know, it's not a pump and dump scheme. You, know, you remember Wolf of Wall Street? That was a pump and dump scheme. The 90s were more pre- and the 2000s were more prevalent with the dot-com boom, penny stock sort of thing. In the 80s, it, it was different stocks as well, energy stocks where they were shooting the moon as well. I mean, again, so much information out there, so it's easy just to break it down. Wall Street Bets is a Reddit group. Reddit is a social media platform, kind of like a message board, where you could just talk about whatever you want. Well, you know, if you're into sneakers, you're into sports, you're into fashion or whatever, you can find that community where you can meet like-minded individuals and, and talk about what you want to talk about. And that's kind of the really cool thing about the internet. Um, you really have the, the way, the access to talk to like-minded individuals about things that you want to talk about. Um, so Reddit, you know, is not exactly uh, monitored or, or any of that stuff. So again, people could say pretty much whatever they want to a certain degree. So what Wall Street Bets is, it's just turned the stock market or stock market trading or options trading really into gambling. They even says it in their name, Wall Street Bets, more into the gambling mentality, you know, high risk, high reward trading. Obviously not for everybody, not exactly, you know, uh, you know the index funds uh, strategy, the 80, the, the 60, 40 strategy of a Warren Buffett or Ray Dalio with black, uh, with, with his funds. So it's not, it's not exactly the same. But again, these individuals, are more wanting to put, you know, shoot the moon, go for it all, the Hail Marys, you know, the, the high risk trades, the high risk plays, the high reward plays. And what they call it is, you know, they want to post their gains, they want the attention, 
obviously from their peers. And again, their strategy is more of the higher risk, meaning they don't care if they lose everything. They just want to be part of the group. So kind of understand that's what Wall Street bets is. Now, again, we you're free to do whatever you want with your money. But again, now it's gaining more traction as uh, options trading, stock trading has been more prevalent in the market uh, with the, with the uh, advent of Robinhood and free commissions. So you really don't have any issues trading and paying for it. Back in the 80s and the 70s and before, you'd have to call your broker on the phone and place a trade in order. Now it's just simple click, uh, click uh, a press of a button on your phone and you can buy as many shares as you want, trade as many times as you want without commissions. That's what Robinhood bring, brought. And then other companies like a TD Ameritrade, uh, Charles Schwab, which they're not the same, uh, E-Trade, those guys, they're now doing the commission-free trades as well. Options trades, not so much. They still charge commission for the most part, but if you want to buy a stock, you know, you, you could do that without any kind of commissions. Before, that was their bread and butter. That's how much they made. So Robinhood bringing that, this kind of accessibility to the masses, to the average investor, really leveled the playing field for a lot of people. Keep in mind, guys, we all share the same information. So it's not like these hedge funds have information before us. At the end of the day, uh, things can change. Uh, but, I mean, it's more the speed of the information than the information. The information is all public. So your research, your charting is the same as mine. It's what we do with that information that really creates that edge. So, again, your technical analysis may be different from mine. My technical analysis may be different from another person's. You know, for example, I like to trade on the one-hour chart. Some individuals like the 15-minute chart, a four-hour chart, a daily chart. It's many ways to skin a cat. So the Wall Street better crowd, that's just the way they do things. I don't do things like that. But again, who am I to judge others? If they want to do that, that's their money. That's their right to do so. So with those kind of gains posted online, it can attract people who really don't know what they're doing. And that's the scary part of the internet and the scary part of these Reddit forums is that it may attract individuals who don't know what they're doing. And that's something you really, really, really want to know. The number one thing I always say is risk management. So that's what Wall Street Bet is, WSB. Is there's, it's a Reddit group where they talk about markets and they talk about different stocks that they're planning to buy. Um, and they're, they're definitely higher risk, higher reward type thing. Think of a Hail Mary pass in football. They just want to go for gold. And you know that's how they are. Uh, there is no risk management there. They just don't. They just want to go for it. It's really more gambling than anything else. Number two, what is short selling? Okay, well, short selling, if I'm speaking to my grandmother, is that you, in the stock market, every day the stock market opens. Most people just really bet or invest on stocks that they continue will go up, right? You continue, you wouldn't buy a stock unless you didn't think it's going to increase in value. Well, you flip that and you say, which stocks are going to go down? Because their stocks go up and down every day. Well, if you bet on a stock or invest in a stock that's going down, what you're doing is short selling. So what you do, let's say you wanted to short Apple, for example. And you think Apple is going to continue, is going to decline 2%, 5% or what have you. So what you can do is you can short sell, meaning that you can take a negative position and borrow the shares at one price and sell it back at the lower price and make the difference. And that's your profit. Just like you would if you were planning to buy Apple and things are going to go up 5%, you would buy at this price currently. And when you hit your 5% target, you would sell it and make the difference. That's your profit, right? Your profit margin. But with short selling is what we, there with that, you need margin. You need to borrow money. You need to borrow these shares to do so. It's riskier, obviously. It, it doesn't, it, it's not, doesn't always work. 
obviously. Just like buying stocks, it doesn't always work sometimes. Think of WorldCom, think of Lunkin Coffee, a lot of companies that went under, right? There's some companies that went under, yes. Not every stock goes up, sure. So that's what short selling is. Short selling is that you're borrowing shares in order to make the difference in price and sell it back to the broker at a lower price and make the difference. You're borrowing shares to sell it back to the broker at a lower price. You're betting that it's going to go down. Betting that it's going to, or you're predicting that the price of the asset or the stock will go down. That's what short selling is. Let's talk about the four names that were really intertwined in this big squeeze, let's call it. GameStop, AMC, Theaters, BlackBerry, ticker BB, GameStop is GME, and fourth is Nokia, NOK. Those are the ones that were kind of the big ones, right? Those are the ones that everyone talked about. GME being GameStop being the most. What do these four have in common? Well, for the most part, these four are not as relevant anymore as they're not as valuable to the everyone else. If I asked you, do you think GameStop is a, is a valued business or a sustainable business long-term? Personally, me, I play PlayStation and I actually download my games to my hard drive. I don't go to GameStop to buy a game. Uh, I haven't done that in years. So again, I'm different. Everyone's different. But again, how often do you go to a store to buy a game? GameStop's whole business model is retail gaming, selling the games at retail. They would buy to wholesale and sell at retail, right? And they have different things there, you know, strategy guides or, or accessories. Again, with it, with Amazon, you know, you can have it straight to your door in a day or two days with prime shipping, right? You don't need to go to GameStop, especially with COVID now. The last thing most people want to do is go to a retail store, especially with more crowds. Again, that's splitting hairs. Everyone's different. AMC theaters. With COVID, not many people are going to theaters. HBO Max now is streaming most movies from Time Warner or Warner Brothers. So you can actually see these movies directly to your home with streaming. Netflix and everything like that. Netflix getting more, more traction. Um, these streaming services like HBO Max, Cinemax, all these guys. They have uh, Disney Plus. Now they're putting their movies direct to the consumer. Think of the new movie Soul from Pixar on Disney. They just have it direct. They're not even putting it in the theaters. So where's the money going to come from from AMC? Obviously their stock price went down. So you can see, yeah, I'm bringing up a chart obviously you can't see. Um, if I bring up a chart from the daily, meaning the one past one year, it really just kind of hovered from $7 all the way through so between seven to $2. And then we had the spike, which we'll talk about, uh, GameStop for a whole year, looking at a whole year, it went from around $7 to the spike high of 483 back down. Well, now it's at 6377, but again, you know, it kind of hovered around seven bucks for the most part. I mean, that's basically what it is. If you look at a GameStop chart on the daily chart, it's pretty funny to look at. BlackBerry. I mean, we know the number one selling phone or cell phone in the world is iPhone, second being uh, Samsung or Android. Sure, you know, uh, there's other phones out there, but BlackBerry was very big in the mid-2000s, uh, but they kind of been irrelevant. Again, a Canadian uh, phone maker. So they were big at one point, just like GameStop was big, just like... Uh, AMC was big. AMC it was profitable at one point, but with the time ch with changing in the market and changing of the economy, BlackBerry isn't as valuable. They don't sell as many phones as they used to. Obviously, I used to own a BlackBerry Curve back in 2006, 2007, and I loved that thing. But now it's all iPhone. I'm an iPhone guy, and you can get an Android too. So not many people are buying a BlackBerry anymore. You don't really hear 
lot about it. They're available, but they're not as they're not making as much money as they would 10 years ago, let's just say, which decreases its value. Am I correct? Next is Nokia. Now, Nokia, I haven't had a Nokia since high school. I'm 35. So I graduated high school in 2004. I had a Nokia in 2003 and four. And, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone remembers Nokia being, you know, the snake phone, the little brick phone. Again, back the, back in the day, 99, 2000, 2001, 2003, 2004, 2005, Nokia was the bell of the ball. Remember Motorola, same thing. They were, Motorola Razor was big. Not anymore. <laughs> now you have iPhones and Androids that are running the market. And, you know, there's different types of models on Android. LG, there's Samsung. I think Samsung is probably the most popular. So again, Nokia in 2003, 2004 is Definitely not the same value as it is now, meaning the stock price went down. They don't make as much profit. They don't make as much revenue. So again, there's a reason that justifies these prices. So what happened? What happened is that you have hedge funds who went ahead and bet that they would decline further. Makes sense, right? You know, GM, GameStop, you know, who the hell is going to the store to buy, buy stocks? I mean, to buy video games. AMC, no one's going to the theater. They're in the teetering bankruptcy. BlackBerry, no one's buying a BlackBerry phone. Everyone buys iPhone. They cornered the market and or Android and Nokia, same thing. So what they would do, these hedge funds, they shorted these stocks. They borrowed shares in order to, you know, bet that it would go down. And for a while, it worked. It worked until some Wall Street, until WSB, Wall Street bets, and the Reddit crowd saw the information and saw that, hey, these stocks are shorted. There's high short interest, meaning there's a lot of money betting against this stock. And you can get this information on Yahoo Finance, FinViz, wherever you want. You can see the short interest or the float. You know, all this information is available to you. So what they did is that they went ahead and collectively bought these names and kept buying the stock. So here's where it gets interesting. When you buy the stock, obviously, less supply, more demand, prices go up. That's in anything. That's in Jordan sneakers, jewelry, doesn't matter. Toilet paper like we saw a year ago with, uh, with the COVID thing. So the prices are going up. The stock goes up. So let's go back to GME, which is GameStop. And I'll go ahead and bring this up and I'll bring up a four-hour chart. I think it'll give me a little bit of a better, better idea of what I'm looking at. Back in, let's go back to January 15th. It was trading at $30 a share. And I'm pretty sure at that time, a couple of these individuals were actually shorting this, this stock. I mean, they were betting it to go down like we talked about. So they borrowed shares. Remember, that's leverage. They had to borrow this, this, the stock in order to short it. Well, the stock started going up because Wall Street bets and their, their crowd started buying, buying the stock. Supply goes down, demand goes up. What happens? The price goes up, guys. It's very simple. Well, here's where it gets really interesting. As the price goes up, if you have a short position, you may get margin, margin called or you have to put up collateral in order to keep your position open because it's going against you. Keep losing money. The broker saying you need to put up collateral, meaning cash, in order to keep the position open or you have to close. And if you're short and you close, guess what? You have to buy the stock. Keep in mind, anything that you do, if you buy a stock and you want to make profit, you want to close your position. Let's say you bought the stock and you want to close, you have to sell. And if you're short, and you want to close, you have to buy. Remember, it's always the opposite. If you buy, you have to sell. If you sell, you want to buy, sort of thing. Now it gets interesting. Now we know that we have the short sellers of the hedge funds. Those guys have a lot of money, and they're a little reckless, obviously. You have the Wall Street better crowds that are saying, hey, look at GameStop. I'm going to buy shares. 
and we should all buy shares and squeeze them out. Like a revenge deal. Like they don't like these hedge fund people. More of just a collective thing. Um, a lot of people have said it's a Ponzi scheme. I think a lot of people just say that about anything. It's easy to label. It's not that simple. I think what you had was just a straight up run. Just a run that everyone just started collectively getting in. And you can't say it was one individual that did this. But hedge funds on the opposite side started seeing what was happening. And they started buying shares too to go against these go against these other hedge funds who were short. I don't think, in my opinion, that let's just say there's a million followers on Wall Street Bets. And if all of them put $100 in, that's $100 million. $100 million in the market in GME stock, would that move the stock? Sure. Would it move the stock from 50 or 40 to 90 to 513? I don't think so. Hedge funds that bought some? Oh, yeah. There's some hedge funds that definitely profited. You can check the Wall Street Journal article about it. I tweeted about it. People, remember guys, hedge funds have to find alpha. What, what alpha is outperforming the, the stock market. Hedge funds have to show their clients, the, the investors, that hey, I can outperform the S&P 500, which is basically no charge. Obviously, there's no expense. There's a very little expense ratio. I have to justify you guys paying the hedge funds, paying our hedge fund 2 and 20, meaning 2% of the money managed and 20% of your profit. So I have to really outperform as a hedge fund manager, this is their thinking, in order to attract your business or keep your business. So they have to do complex things like shorting and short squeezing. We're gonna go into over short squeezing in a second in order to generate alpha. So that's important to think about. So when you have that going on, all those forces going against it, all those forces are being pulled GME, GameStop, BlackBerry, Nokia, and AMC, the executives are like, we don't know what the hell is going on. We didn't say anything. We didn't make any news. It just became to the point of a gamble. It just became a gamble. And everyone wanted in. This is nothing different than 2008 of the housing crisis where everyone bought houses they couldn't afford. You know, interest-only loans, uh, teaser rates, adjustable rate mortgages, all that stuff. You get manias. This is what happens. You get manias. And People tend to get attracted to that. And that's, that's just normal. Human, human nature, greed happens. So you're the short seller of hedge fund. And you're seeing the stock keep going from 50, 60, 100, 150, 200. You're, it's rallying against you. What happens? You have to sell. You have to close the position. I think it was Melvin Capital. They had to close their position. And they had to get bailed out by another hedge fund, two hedge funds. They had to get bailed out by Citadel and 0.72. There was such a buying frenzy for these names that Robinhood and these other brokers, actually, they had to stop allowing people to buy it. They had to stop people allowing to buy it, which is insane. I've never seen that. And then you also had the point where the market was affected. If you look at the time between January 26th and the 2nd of, of, um, of February, you can see the SPY... On that same, same cycle, look at the S&P 500 at that time. So I'm going to bring up a four-hour chart of the S&P. And literally, to the T, on the 25th of January, the market fell all the way to the 1st. And on the 1st, we the stock market started going back up, the S&P, and GME bottomed out. If you compare both, if you have a second and take a look, bring up GameStop, GME, and the SPY. Now we're going to talk about arbitrage in a second. But now that Melvin Capital and those hedge funds got short squeezed, meaning in order to close their position, 
they had to buy back that stock. They had to buy the stock outright and close their position. And what happens when people keep buying? The supply gets lower and it keeps going up. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy when you lose. It's very difficult. The problem is that the Wall Street better crowd started getting more and more traction, more and more eyes, more and more attention. It tracks people. I, uh, for example, um, our group, our team took advantage of this with Nokia, with Nokia, BlackBerry, AMC, Express, and we traded options on it. We didn't buy the stock. We just traded options on it and we made some money. We did some, made some money. You just, you have to take advantage sometimes. You may not like the stock, but regardless, money pays the same. Obviously our risk was a little lower, but again, we did profit from it. So we did our arbitrage on that. So if you look at GME and SPY on a different angle, when the market was going down, the SPY went to 3,700 or 370. That was an opportunity. What happened is those hedge funds, in order to raise money to keep those short sales going, they had to sell their winners. Tesla, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Johnson & Johnson, all those names fell. Did anything really change between those names, like a Netflix, overnight, within that week? No. They just had to sell these gainers. Tesla gained last year big time. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, all these gains, all these gainers, Johnson & Johnson, United Health, all did well. But they had to sell them in order to raise cash, in order to cover their losses. That was an arbitrage opportunity for you, where you saw that there was no fundamental reason why the stock market went down only because of GME. And if you bought the dip on certain names, you did very well. I know I did. I bought a couple of names that I wanted to buy on the dip and it was worth it. I bought some Nike on the dip, for example. Uh, I think I believe I bought some Nike on the dip. What else did I buy? I bought some United, United Health. Um, some other names as well. I have to look exactly what I bought and I buy SPY G every week anyways. But again, these opportunities don't happen often, especially when the fundamentals don't line up. What did the S&P do? They didn't do anything wrong other than the hedge funds had to sell. The GME went up for no reason other than the short squeeze. So again, it kept going. So the profits started showing. A lot of people were putting up their profits on Twitter and social media that it started attracting people, right? That didn't know what they're doing. And that can be very dangerous to some individuals who bought the stock not knowing what they were buying. That's the difficult part. There's some people on Wall Street bets that are still holding their position. They were up $5 million, for example. Now they're back down. That's where you, an individual, needs to understand that, hey, there's some times you need to take some profit, man. You got to take some profit on some winners. Again, that's, that's a life-changing number for a lot of individuals. You take that profit. But to them, these Wall Street bettors or these Reddit people, it's all about attention and it's about revenge, and it's about principle. To them, they didn't care about the money. To them, the money was already gone. They just wanted to show that, hey, I'm doing something right, my strategy works. And sometimes to a lot of individuals with ego, it's not about being right, it's about getting it right. You know, forget about the credit, forget about the attention, guys. As an investor, forget about the attention. It's all about what makes you money. And when you hit a certain profit, profit target, take it. Take it. Take the money off. This is why when I get uh, an options trading 40%, I just take it and I move on. Move on. Don't turn an options trade into an investment. You know, I'm a long-term investor in a lot of stocks, but in a speculative names, if I'm in a speculative name and I made good money, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take that profit, obviously. I'm not going to buy a stock unless I want to own it for a minimum of eight years. Seriously. I have no interest in buying GameStop. The only reason I bought GameStop was for charity. I bought it that if it went back to all-time highs, I would give the profits to charity. Right now, it's not looking so good. <laughs> but again, it was a charity thing. It was for Barstool Sports. I like what they're doing, helping small businesses. More than like I'm going to just have to write a check and just, you know, just eat it. And that's fine. But I'm holding. So either way. 
So the aftermath, guys. At the highs of GameStop, when it's high as $513.12, it's at $66.46. BlackBerry, when it's high as $28.77, now it's at $13.48. Let's look at Express, which was another one. As high as $13.97, it's at $3.12 a share. Nokia, as high as $9.79, now it's $4.23. This is why options can help, where, again, your risk is defined. You don't have to own the stock. You can just trade the contracts. But... Even the GameStop options were wild. They were very expensive. AMC, as high as $25.80, now it's $6.87. It's changed. And the aftermath happened. A lot of individuals, I was looking at uh, Google search and the term stock market losses soared. A lot of people hurting right now. A lot of people hurting that basically got caught in the storm. So that's the aftermath. Really difficult to hear, really difficult to see those stories that I've read online, especially on Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. Very difficult to see because people have turned the market into a casino. And guys, it's not a casino. It isn't. You have to define your risk. You have to have a plan and know what you're doing. That's the deal. That's always been the deal. And the lessons, guys. The lessons is, again, manage your risk. Always have a long-term perspective. Know your profit targets. Take some profits. Take some profits. And just be wary of a message board saying what's good or not. Sure, we put our top 10 stocks of 2021. We explain it, as always. But again, do your homework, guys. Do your homework. Just don't, don't depend on just one person to tell you something. Do your homework. Don't put your money into something without you knowing what it is. Do not put money in something you do not understand. It's so important, guys. This is your money. And it is your responsibility to understand that. And it's very difficult out there with a lot of sharks that can take advantage. So you got to be very careful out there. And the understanding is that you're responsible for your decisions, as always. Do your homework. Do your research. If you do that, you'll be fine. Maybe you do like GameStop and you like the prospect. Maybe you're holding the stock. If you're holding the stock, again, what's your pain, pain threshold? What's your pain threshold? If right now, if it's really hurting, then sure, you should sell. But if you're confident that GameStop maybe will turn the corner, maybe AMC Theaters will open back up, Maybe BlackBerry or Nokia may get merged with another company. Maybe they bring out some new technology like 5G or something, anything like that. This is where the difficult part comes in, where holding something for a long period of time hurts. You have to really believe in the story. You have to believe in the management, believe in the company. Remember, Amazon, the largest drawdown it had after the dot-com bubble was 87%. Amazon lost 87% of its value in 2001. Look it up. Amazon lost 87% of its value. And look where it is now. If you believed in Amazon and you held on, you're a happy person today. Those are your lessons. That's it. And, uh, you know, I, I hope you profited from it, obviously, and you did the arbitrage correctly. And again, just be careful out there, guys. Be careful. Treat it as a business, guys, and you'll get paid like a business. You treat it like a hobby, you'll get paid like a hobby, meaning zero. So understand that. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me on this uh, topic. It was really fun to talk about. I really wanted to break it down for you guys to understand exactly what the hell happened and the aftermath and the lessons and exactly the tickers. So I hope you enjoyed it, guys. Until the next time, have a great uh, great weekend. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, uh, which is tomorrow. I have the Bucks winning, so let's see what happens. And let's see if, uh, if I'm right or not. Have a good one, guys. Enjoy.